The following is a Northern State Podcasting production. You're listening to the Mind Cruisers Podcast. The podcast where we bring mental health out of the darkness and into the light. Follow the light. We'll take you away from your darkest night, I know. I swear, I've been there. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Mind Cruisers Podcast. I am your host, Jared Johnson, and I am joined, as always, by Stephanie Sorensen. Welcome back, Stephanie. Thanks, Jared. I'm excited to get this going again. Yeah, and uh, today's a very special episode because it's the very first time that we've actually recorded in the same place at the same time. Usually it's uh, always through Zoom or, um, well, we've tried other platforms, but that's the most common one. Um, But today we actually, Stephanie is joining me um, at my house um, and we are finally getting to record in person, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. It's better and easier to have a conversation with you right here, so... Yeah. And it's, I mean, there's something kind of, I feel like just special more to be like in the same place, like, especially after you've done a bunch of recordings um, via Zoom or whatever, there's just more of a, um, I don't know, connection or whatever. Definitely. Um, So as most of you who have listened before know, we kind of took a little bit of a break um, for many reasons. (laughs) Um, For me... At least um, mine has been mostly, uh, my health has been pretty rough for the last several months. Um, That includes me losing a lot of weight and like uh, just not feeling good most of the time, um, feeling pretty weak and not having the energy to do much of anything, let alone, you know, study for a podcast, I guess. Um, And I know that, you know, it's it's been a priority for me, but I, I just haven't been able to get the motivation or I don't know. So hopefully things are turning around, but, um, it's a slow go. I'd say even at this point, um, and had Stephanie not be coming into town, I probably wouldn't have been doing this at this moment. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of the, been the like thing that's holding me back recently. Um, besides that, um, life has been pretty good. Um, we're, uh, me and my wife have been making a lot of plans for the future and that's been, uh, really cool. And hopefully, um, I don't know, we'll see things will change a lot in the next year, I think, um, in a good way. Uh, what's been up with you, Stephanie? Well, I'd like to say that I'm starting a new chapter, but I feel like I'm writing an entire new book for life. Um, I've just been going through a ton, working a bunch, um, lots of personal stuff, and but good things, good things. I just feel like I'm completely rewriting my life right now, and if it's in a good way. It's what I feel like I'm becoming who I'm supposed to be, and that feels incredible. I feel more confident. I am very excited for the future and plans that are going to happen moving forward. So just trying to get back into the new routine of my new book of life. Yeah. And you start a new job and you're just, I feel like you've made a lot of progress in the last few months. Um, even just in that amount of time, it's, you know, things have been going so fast for a long time. I feel like for you, um, and crazy. Um, but, um, it's good to see, I feel like you've kind of started down the path you 
you want to be on. For yeah. Sure. I like that I have, you know, two different jobs and one's one-on-one therapy and one is more like crisis kind of hospital stuff. So I feel like I get the best of both worlds for the kind of therapy that I want to do. Yeah. Oh, and it kind of gives you an idea of what you, like what, like you've talked about before, just before we started recording, like that you kind of figure are figuring out what you don't want to do for sure. That's for sure. Yes. <laughs> um, and so that's, I mean, that's always good. Right. Even, even for me, when I was doing my previous job marketing and stuff, like I, I think even just the little experience I had in that, like they, I feel like I know what I do want to do and I know what I'm not going to be very strong at, mm-hmm. but so I think that's a benefit also. But, yes. um, so yeah, that's mostly what's new for us. Um, besides that, I think we'll, today's episode we've decided is going to be on ACEs, which, um, what does that exactly mean? Adverse childhood experiences. Yep. Yeah. And I knew that. I just had to think about it for a second. Um, well, I knew that I knew the general idea of it anyways. Um, yeah. And so like that can be, you know, um, abuse and neglect and, and any other things of like other hallmarks, I guess, of a of a rough childhood. Um, I know that I personally have taken the test, this test, which we'll get into. But um, it's a it's kind of a um, precursor of what things could come your way. Um, so, anyways, we'll get into that. Um, so to start, we'll just say like what ACEs is, I guess it is. And um, so it's a basically is a study um, done in the 90s, right? Yeah, it was in the 90s, a study done by Kaiser and the CDC. Okay. And they, uh, it's basically um, a series of questions that can you tally up the number and that tells you, um, can give you kind of insight into um, potentially like high, like your higher risk of certain health problems, um, or even mental problems, right? Yeah. Physical and mental health. Yeah. So, um, what, like, where does that come from? Like what, what do you know, even know, like where that, like why they decided to do that study? I, I, from what I understand, it was kind of a fluke study that they did with Kaiser and um, Permanente and the CDC, and they studied, it was 80% Caucasians, 10% um, Black, 10% Asian, and 70 per- 74% of these patients had attended college. So basically, it was like a middle-class socioeconomic class that they had just were curious about um, asking these 10 questions. So the ACEs consist of 10 questions about physical abuse, sexual abuse, if you had a parent that was in prison, that type of stuff. And they just kind of wanted to see the correlation between these questions and then being at risk for later health problems. And kind of what they found out is that so I think it was 60%, don't quote me on my numbers, but I'm pretty sure 60% of the people had ACE scores of four or higher. And then once you have scores like that, It's really interesting because you are 2.5 times more likely to develop hepatitis or COPD, 4.5 times more likely to become depressed, and then 12 times more likely to attempt suicide or to complete suicide. So the point is, is that they didn't expect the numbers to be this high in the study that they did in San Francisco in a middle socioeconomic class. And they found, you know, that these 
ACE scores are much higher and poverty driven, lower socioeconomic status, but the, that it happens everywhere. Everyone has experienced some type of ACE typically. Um, and it just leads to long-term physical health because of the trauma that lives in your body. And I'll talk more about that later, but there's, when you have the stress and the adrenaline that lives in your DNA and your genes and your body, and you're in that fight flight response constantly, it changes your entire way of thinking, which leads to those physical and mental health problems. So they just really kind of opened a can of worms really about what this means and about preventative care and what these different kinds of things that happen in childhood and with the trauma and how they affect you as a person and for the rest of your life. So kind of just focusing more on preventative care and how to lessen the ACE scores for people. Yeah. So something I was reading said that um, like 61% of adults have at least one um, on the ACEs test. And then that, that another, that 16% would have a four or more. Um, I actually thought it would be higher than that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I know for the Kaiser one, I, I was like 60%, I believe, that had four or more. So I guess it just depends on what area you're in, too. So for sure, yeah. You, I mean, you have to think it, it depends on um, all your, you know, where, you, where you're at in, you know, in the middle. In, in inner city, probably would be worse, I guess, for example. Um, so what about um, as far as... They learned, so they've learned from that, that it's associated with health in the future. So what kind of things does that mean? Like, um, we know that uh, you said uh, hepatitis and what's the other one? There's hepatitis, depression, COPD, a lot of just, there's cancer, yeah, Yeah, asthma, like many, many different kind of physical things. And then the depression, the anxiety, the more, the likelihood to use substances, that type of thing is all greatly increased. Probably even just getting in trouble more. Yes. Yeah. A lot of people in prison have higher ACE scores and that's because of the childhoods that they grew up with and just maybe the coping skills they've learned, the relationship skills they've learned, the fact that they think maybe it's normal to have these toxic relationships, use substances, and it's just this cycle that continues over and over again with physical abuse, sexual abuse, that type of thing. And there's nothing preventing it. And the type of care that they get almost comes too late because then they're dealing with suicidal ideations. They're dealing with uh, just really complex trauma that's not even been on the radar until something very significant happens. Yeah. Well, and, and so uh, one of the things I read said that uh, females are more likely to have a higher age score too. Yeah, 50% um, more likely. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that's kind of crazy. But it's actually not, it's not, again, not to me, not surprising necessarily because... I feel like my, the majority of abuse is done by men, maybe. <laughs> yes, typically. Yeah. I mean, of course, there's men and women abusers, yeah, but I mean, no, it, I mean, it's more likely that it would be a a man that <clears throat> does that, unfortunately. So. Yeah. Well. So, um, when your ACE score is high, you like it messes. It can mess with your health potentially. But what do you do? Like, um, I guess. Would you encourage anybody, just everybody to go take this? Like, or would you say that's like only if you feel like you had a rough childhood or? So Jared, I really like that you asked that question because it's kind of one of my life goals to implement the ACE questionnaire into every single primary care. I work at a primary care office in Spokane and I think it's very important to just have it 
ask to every single patient because if you ask those questions from the very first time that you meet a child, you know, 17, 13 years and younger, you can get an idea of kind of what they're experiencing home so much better of a picture and an idea when they come into your office. And then like we were saying before, if they have an ACE score for higher, you know right then and there um, that they're going to have those higher chances of physical, emotional health. And you can put those prevention techniques into action. So basically when it comes to substance use treatment, mental health treatment, physical health treatment, prevention is key. And how are you going to know what needs to be prevented, what skills need to be taught, what interventions need to be made unless you ask these questions, which are typically not asked in primary care setting. So as Nadine Burke would say, and she's the very first person I heard when I was in grad school talk about ACEs, she does an incredible TED talk. I encourage everyone to watch. Um, So again, that's Nadine Burke. We'll put it in the show notes or Nadine Burke Harris, excuse me. And she opened a center for youth wellness in San Francisco. And like I was talking about before, she knows right away when those kids come to come into their office, if once they've done the test and they have an ACE score of four or higher, how more like how much more likely they are to have these kind of physical conditions, mental health conditions, and how they're, like she said, 12 times more likely to take their own life as opposed to somebody that had zero or, you know, less than four aces. And she knows that from the second that they walk into her exam room. So she knows kind of like what actions to put into place of questions that are not asked typically out in the community, like I said, um, until things are very, very significant. Their symptoms are more intense. There's actual attempts of suicide. There's already an addiction put in place, that type of thing. So prevention is key. There's a um, I'll, I'll kind of stop there and talk about relationship skills and that type of thing, the different interventions, but definitely she, she puts it out there that this needs to be asked to every single person that walks into a primary care office. Yeah, that seems, that makes sense to me. <clears throat> and even like, I think about it in the way of like, um, if you, if you, it would almost tell you like in some ways, if a person needed some therapy or anything like that, like, you could almost just do that and then be like, okay, well, your score is higher than four, then there's probably trauma in your, in your past that needs to be like dealt with or whatever. So, um, like it seems like it would be, I mean, I don't don't see how it would ever hurt anybody. So, um, it would make sense to me that, um, and I know I've never been asked those questions except for by you. So, um, that's kind of interesting too. Um, and hopefully that will change over time. Um, I don't know if, uh, I mean, obviously she's doing it, um, but beyond that, like, is that common? (laughs) No, no. We were just actually talking about it before we started recording of how many people just in the general public have even heard of the ACEs study. And it's just, I mean, from the people I've asked, not many people have heard of it. Of course, the people I met in grad school, my professors, the people that taught us in school, they know about it. But if you just kind of are walking down the street and talk about ACEs or just meet somebody, many people haven't heard of it. So the CDC is um, trying, I know that they're trying to, reading one of their most recent articles that they're trying to make it more aware. They're working on putting it into the general public, into education, um, promoting public campaigns, legislative approaches, that type of thing. So they're really working on getting it in to the general public knowledge in schools and primary care centers, that type of thing. There's a whole, I follow an email site about just promoting the ACEs and asking that in all kind of hospitals, primary care, teaching the skills. And then what that means. So yeah, you can ask 
these 10 questions to people and you can know that they're going to have these struggles, but then what do you do? And um, there's so many different interventions. There's high quality childcare, preschool enrichment, teaching relationship skills, social emotional learning, safe dating, mentoring, victim centered services, just, and then teaching the lesson of the harm that ACEs has on people and stopping that cycle that just keeps happening over and over again and making sure that children have a stronger start in life because they've learned these relationship skills and they have these, oh, what's the word I'm looking for? <sighs> Structure put in place that they might not have had previously. Uh, actually, you're talking, what you're saying right now actually makes me think about, um, what are we talking about? We've talked about it before. Um, uh, generational trauma and stuff like oh intergenerational yeah, trauma and mm -hmm. how so like in a lot of ways at least if I think about like how my life has been and how my parents life and all that the their ACEs scores were probably higher than mine my parents and definitely their parents and so like it's almost come it's come it's been on the trajectory of going down but it's still like you know what's acceptable probably not where we're at still right but mm -hmm. it's kind of interesting there how the it's all connected. I mean, all those things um, weave together in a lot of ways. And, and so like dealing with the trauma of your family and the trauma that you've faced, how much it can benefit your future, future generations, future everything. Um, so not only does it benefit you, it benefits everything going forward. Um, Absolutely. Which is really cool. Um, so um, what are some ways we talked about a little bit of about some ways, but like there's different programs, right. That will help people. Like you were showing me, um, the prison mm -hmm. project, which goes into prisons and talks to, um, prisoners about, um, their ACEs scores and how they can, um, and do, do they treat them? Right. So there's, um, this program, it's called the compassion prison project with doctor, doc, excuse me, Dr. Vincent, Validity and Robert Anda of the Anda, yes, of the CDC, and they created this Compassion Prison Project, and they go in and teach intervention skills to prisoners. But the thing, there's a video that one of my um, colleagues had sent me, and they have a circle of I was like oh, almost 300 inmates, and they ask every single question of the Aces, and then as for each question, they like step into the circle and just so many of them had such high ACE scores and that just tells you kind of right away like what like they're incarcerated and incarcerated for a reason yes they committed crimes but they have like had so many struggles in life and so many things that they've had to get to with no kind of interventions so the compassion prison project is a gal that she she does groups she goes um, into prisons and helps people understand the physical, emotional, and social impacts that the ACEs have done to them, that they've done to people, and then just teaches them skills of how to kind of stop that cycle. It's just so interesting to me, the prevalence of how, how many people and how high the scores are for the ACEs for people that are in prison. And um, just, like I said, lower socioeconomic classes. It just, it's not... People don't have a strong, when people don't have a strong start to life, it just is more difficult to learn proper and correct skills to getting through these difficult moments. So I know that these interventions are very important for 
not only people that are already kind of pretty far along in their lives and already experiencing these addictions and these just negative impacts of the ACEs, but it goes further down to kind of just make, like you said, with the intergenerational trauma, trying to teach those skills to make it better and better and better as time goes on, giving people strong starts to life. And it's incredibly important for people to like know and be aware of these different things that can impact your emotional, mental, physical health and how to stop it, to lessen it. And there's no book on parenting. So people only know what they've seen, what they've learned, what they've experienced. So if your mother or father taught you how to cook meth when you were younger, that's going to be normal to you. That's going to be something that seems like that's how life is. Or if you saw you grew up in and your parents yell and then they fight with each other. That's how you think you communicate. So what these different programs do that I really value are putting those kind of relationship skills into practice and into place. There's programs such as strengthening families and they focus on child behavior problems, how to decrease it, how to decrease youth youth substance use, physical fighting, involvement in crime. They go to the schools, implement themselves into the schools to teach these kids what healthy relationships look like, what emotion regulation looks like. And I don't know about you, Jared, but when I was growing up, I had nothing like that. I had no kind of program in school that taught me emotional health, emotional well-being, um, emotion regulation. It was all just history, math, science, that type well, of thing. I mean, yeah, I would definitely agree with that. There was nothing that was that was readily available. Maybe if you like um, showed that you were having problems or something, maybe they would have something for you. But um, definitely they... Like, there's a lot in education that need that would, and I, if it were in a perfect world, I feel like would change. But definitely, the idea of emotional health and learning more about that, um, and mental health and all that stuff, just trying to be um, more aware and like make it more acceptable to be, you know, to be sad or to be whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, just um, not having to hide, especially at least for males, like a lot of. Um, a lot of men think that they need to be tough and whatever. So, uh, they tend to hide that stuff. But, um, you were talking about a program, um, in your local area. Yeah. Uh, it's called, um, statement. Create your statement. Oh, create your statement. Um, combat dating abuse, which is, um, so what's, what's that program about? Yeah. So actually I was at a, a benefit or a, um, fundraiser for create your statement and I learned kind of what um she does oh my gosh I want I don't want to get her name wrong because she's awesome so the founder of create your statement is Jenny Moeller and I met her at this um fundraiser and I learned kind of what she does she talked a lot about it and what their program does and they go around to the different middle schools in Spokane and focus on preventing dating abuse and how they do that is they have different classes for both boys and girls and then they have boys and girls in classes together but um, they work on developing assets leadership skills protective factors and then um, teach they have an acronym called Red Flag, and I just think this is so cool. But they teach respect, so you respect yourself. And then E is expect disrespect, so disrespect will happen in life. And then you kind of decide what you're going to do when you're disrespected. And what will your future look like 
either if you accept this disrespect on one path or you decide you're not going to accept the disrespect, you know that it's going to happen, but how do you handle it? And then how to be a leader, because a lot of us aren't taught to be a leader. I know there are leadership classes, but just how to be a good leader that's compassionate about people, be authentic, and then knowing the G is the gift of your life, and then are, who are you going to give your gifts to? So how are you going to teach these skills to friends, family, to your own children someday? But just starting young in middle school to like learn a healthy relationship what healthy relationships look like. What are, like she said, the red flags. What are the signs that you need to look out for when you first start dating that you might not see? Because intimate partner violence happens starting in middle school, starting when you have these early relationships and you don't know what to expect because maybe you do have high A scores and then you you get into a relationship where someone is gaslighting you, controlling you, telling who you can and can't be friends with and you think, that's just how relationships are. Like, heck no, that is not it. But you wouldn't know that unless you had learned maybe from programs like this, what to expect, what how to value yourself, and what a healthy and kind relationship looks like. So I absolutely love her program. I think it's important. I know that there's many programs all around the U.S. that teach these. And that's just a whole nother topic is intimate partner violence and what it does to people. But um for the aces, it's just like all of this trauma and all of these things are interconnected. And um, yeah, I could go on and on about that, but I'll just pause for a second. <laughs> um, yeah, so like I've heard of other programs like that. Um, the one that I think of is just because I hear the ads for it quite often is uh, Coaching Boys and the Men, which is, um, I don't know if it's based in Seattle or what, but uh, it's like um, coaches for um, the local high schools go in there and they uh, are they take some training that basically they come back and teach can teach uh, students how how to be um, how to be good men I guess would be the best way the easiest way to say it but like more like you know how to um, positive influence and how, how young men think and behave um, and how to, how they're supposed to be treating um, women and how like it's supposed to be, I think the whole point of it is that they want to take to lessen domestic violence in general, but, um, and to teach a kid early that that's not acceptable basically. Mm -hmm. So yeah, similar kind of program, um, a little different, but, um, similar, you know, goals, I guess. Um, but beyond that, um, I think, um, what is the, I guess I would just ask like, what is the, what is the path forward, I guess, for this? Like, how do how do people get the word out? How do we get, mm. how do we grow this into more? I mean, I know programs like that is probably helping a lot, um, but is there any other ideas, like, for um, how to make this more widespread? Yeah, absolutely. I know, like I had mentioned before, the CDC is really working on legis legislative techniques, um, changing these laws, making sure that it's required maybe in schools and primary care, that type of thing, asking the hard questions, and then making it a requirement to implement these programs, these prevention techniques, have better and stronger um, programs in preschool, even in kindergarten, teaching parents skills, that type of thing. But it all begins with awareness. And again, having these laws implemented and required, like I said, like they just have to 
we have to start asking the questions. We have to be more aware of how important it is to have healthy relationships and the effects that these different kinds of traumas and abuse have. Um, just to kind of talk about trauma a little bit, like we've mentioned before in another episodes, there's little t trauma and then there's big t trauma, which is basically complex trauma and then kind of, I mean, all trauma is trauma, but complex PTSD is something that I think should be in a different diagnosis in the DSM, which would include childhood trauma. And if any of you listeners have ever heard of that idea, it, I would say, began in The Body Keeps the Score. It's a, bo- a book by Van der Kolk, and he believes that just complex PTSD, childhood trauma, should be its own separate separate diagnosis because um, child children that live in traumatic environments literally like science has shown have the exact same brain structures as maybe a veteran in combat like they literally experience those same emotions those same kind of flashbacks of course you know they're different but just the the trauma lives inside of them and instead of going to war and experiencing that fight or flight your adrenaline's going your your stress is just intense you're doing that at home as a child you the bear that creates that fight or flight response lives at your home, as Nadine Burke said in that YouTube video. It's you're constantly in fight or flight. You're constantly having those chemicals in your brain running through your body, and that is how you live. And it's just, it's so intense. It's its something that doesn't go away, and it's created in your brain. You, these pathways, these traumas, they live in you. And then, as we've talked about before, epigenetics and how that trauma lives on and is passed on, that is passed on in your DNA. That is something that's just the trauma lives in you, it's passed on. And I know with um, combat veterans, they have these uh, programs where they kind of like, I don't know the word right now because it escapes me, but they teach, they kind of have this transition where they go from being combat veterans to learning how to get back into society. Kids don't have that. They don't have that. They've experienced very intense traumas sometimes, don't know how to cope, don't know how to act, and they go right into the world. Guess what? (laughs) They get in these horrible relationships. They go to prison. They create, they do crimes. You know, they do all of these things because they don't know. They don't know any better. They don't know what to expect. And they are doing what they think is normal and they're let loose into society until they get arrested or until they commit an absolutely horrendous crime. So in my, in my like perception and my idea, these things need to be combated and prevented, just taken more seriously, like they are with veterans that have been in combat. Like these kids have been in combat. They've been in war, but the war is at home. Yeah, that's powerful stuff there. <laughs> um, I would also say like, and it kind of goes with what you're saying, it's, it's um, make it more of a community problem. It's not just a personal problem. Like, yes like realize that this is uh, like prevalent in our world and it's not just like, oh, one or two kids here and there, whatever. It's like, you know, a large amount of people um, are um, experience these things. So um, getting it so that like we have more ways of, of um, helping these people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, just to talk personally about my own experience, when I did the ACEs test, I got, I think I got a five, maybe a six. I can't remember exactly, but, um, or maybe there was one that was like kind of debatable whether I got, whether I had that, but that's like, so, I mean, 
given my health problems that I have currently in my life, who knows whether those things have contributed, but they probably have. Um, and so like, you just, um, you just don't know, like, and, I, and it's not until now that I'm 34 years old that I'm actually like dealing with some of the things that happened as a child, just because I didn't like, I didn't realize how it was affecting me, I guess, um, throughout my life. But um, you've taken the ACEs also, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I I have eight out of 10 of the ACEs, which is absolutely why I'm a social worker and why I'm in this field is because I know what it feels like to grow up like that. And I know that there's two different paths. There's a path of resilience and learning and changing and breaking those chains in that cycle, or you just never kind of learn and you just live with your trauma and maybe you go into the cycle of addiction. And that's just something I knew as a teenager, I cannot go down that life and I cannot have that life because it will literally destroy me. And I know what it's like to have addiction. I know how powerful it is. And if you have something that makes you feel so good, the second that you have it, of course, you're going to want to do that. Of course, you're going to want to go down that addiction road. So I just knew for me that if I did that, like, yes, it would feel much better to just have a quick fix to being unhappy. So it's been a whole lifelong path. I'm 32 years old. You know, like Jared, just figuring this stuff out and really understanding, like, why is it that I'm a social worker? Why do I want to help people? Why do I care so much about all of this? And it's because I don't want anyone to feel the way that I have. And I want to teach people just kind of like to be more aware and to kind of just to help you quit this cycle again. So you like learn different kinds of skills, whether it be through yoga, um, whether it be through changing your mind. I were su super huge into EMDR, which is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. There's a, another episode we could have, but it's just treating the trauma and getting, getting it out, uh, neutralizing those feelings, reprocessing it, and then just, yeah, get, getting over it, basically. Not It'll always live with you, but just kind of learning healthier skills. And I don't want anyone to have to go through that. Of course, there's things that happen, but I just don't want people to feel the way they have. And I, I would hope that my in my life, I can kind of lessen a little bit of these negative impacts that trauma has on people. Yeah, I think, uh, I think that, I mean, our childhood traumas is part of what has brought, I feel like brought us together as far as like doing a podcast and Oh, yeah. Our friendship. Um, I feel like that's one of the things that definitely we've bonded over. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that, uh, so I think, you know, us in general trying to make a change in just the mental health world by doing the podcast and stuff is a, is a good step towards that. But um, And our traumas just make us who we are, right? You know, they like, they, I feel like mine have made me stronger. They've taught me so much and... I have so much I look forward to in life because of who I am and the things that I've learned, the things that I've seen and how I can relate to others. It just makes me better. So I really, I, I've learned a lot from experiencing trauma and I'm thankful for it in a way, which is very weird, but that's how I feel. I think uh, there's always positive and negatives to your trauma, right? So like, I know that like, I like at, through going through therapy and stuff like that, like I've realized that like, probably the trauma that I faced like has made me alive what I am and like some of that I love and some of that I hate just because like that's just how it goes like I mean I'm a super people pleaser 
Um, but I also, and that's something I, I like, I really enjoy ple- pleasing people, but I also hate it because I like fight so hard to please people sometimes that I end up getting the shaft for that reason. Um, uh, so like, you know, I feel like that's how trauma works is that it, there's always, there, there's things to be grow. You should always try to grow from your trauma, but, but there's always going to be those negative effects to it. Um, also. Absolutely. So I think that's all I had to say about ACEs. Anything else you would like to add? Um, just, just to wrap up, I really encourage everyone, everyone that is interested in trauma, trauma-informed care, to read The Body Keeps the Score. It is just empowering. Um, Vanderkolt really just, he's a psychiatrist, again, that really puts a name to everything everything and explains kind of how trauma lives in you the body keeps the score of the trauma and then kind of how to move forward prevention techniques um also just kind of how to cope with trauma and go to therapy that type of thing and he's just i mean he really explains trauma well he spent his whole life focusing on it and what it does to the body it's just i mean i'll read it again and again it's so good and then Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. Oh, and then I was going to say that that YouTube video by Nadine Burke Harris, she does a TED talk on the ACEs. It's like a 12 minute long video, but she is very quaint. She's very, does it well with her words and explaining what ACEs are and how to prevent them. So she's another just great TED talk. If you want to know more about it, I encourage people to take the ACEs test, um, which we'll link to the show notes. That's just, it's, it's good to be aware kind of, of that and then how to move forward. So I would, I would say those are the most important things about that's, ACEs. That's what I was going to say is that we'll put basically, um, a link to the different resources that we've mentioned, um, into the show notes. Um, and then hopefully you guys, um, We'll, you know, take a look at them and and maybe take the test yourself. Um, it's pretty quick. It's like, I mean, it's 10, 10 questions, questions, so yes. it's not, yeah, it's, it takes a couple minutes is all. Um, and talk about it. Talk about it with each other. Bring it into awareness. Talk to your kids about it. Talk to your kids about healthy relationships. Ask them if they have had these programs come to their schools if you have adolescents. But really just, like, talk about it. Talk to your doctor about it. All of that. Make make sure that it's out into put it out in the universe. Put it out into the world. Make sure people know about it because it is not many people do, and I think that everyone should. Primary care doctors, you too. Please, please start asking those questions to your patients. For sure. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that's aces. Um, now it's time for I think my favorite part of the show. Music. When we talk about music. <laughs> yeah. NF uh, trauma. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, uh, so first thing I'll say is we had a playlist going uh, and it was probably 300 songs or something. Oh, so many. And um, it was a collaborative playlist. So we wanted it to be able so everybody could add songs if they wanted to, um, any listeners. And somewhere along the line, someone hijacked it and took all of our music off of it and only put like six songs on there. Um, and so I ended up having to like delete those songs and then we, I started again fresh, um, but I had to make it a private. Um, so I think the only way anybody can access it is through a link, but we'll put that in the show notes and hopefully you guys can still have access to it. And if, if it doesn't work out that way, we can figure it out. Um, I just, I'm not sure what happened, but uh, yeah, somebody hijacked it and deleted everything, and then so that kind of sucked. But 
especially because like I feel like I find songs sometimes and I'll be like, oh, this song is great. I want this song to be on here. Yeah. Yeah, Usually I add it to like some other playlists that I have too, but, but if I really like it, but like sometimes it's more like something that I feel like can hit good in, in, you know, for the mind cruisers, like listeners. Um, so I'm like, oh, that's a good one. Put that one, that one, as opposed to, you know, the other playlists that I have, but I feel like we'll build that back up. Um, and hopefully, you know, uh, that won't happen again. Yeah. Um, but so the question I would ask is just like, what have you been listening to then lately, Stephanie? Oh, lately. digging? Yeah. I mean, always NF if I'm thinking about trauma and that type of thing, like really intense feelings. NF has some awesome songs. He's not always angry. I know some people think he's super angry, but he's got some really good content in his newer stuff about just kind of dealing with those traumas and what he's experienced. Gremlin is, I've been listening, is, is, I don't think it's Phoenix, but he talks about becoming a Phoenix. Yeah, that, is it called Phoenix? Uh, or is called it Flames? Flames. Flames by Gremlin is like my song. I mean, like that is the song I relate to probably more than any song I have ever heard. And I have listened to it over and over again so much. So I think I'm going to get a Phoenix tattoo. So (laughs) that's my jam right now. If I'm like really feeling my childhood stuff. Come on. Yeah. For me, um, definitely NF has been a constant for me for a while. (laughs) Um, but also I've been trying to trend, uh, not transition, but but I've been trying to get more happy music. Yeah. And again, um, I, 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 I read this book that is about um, about your mental state and how uh, how it was really interesting. But it said like country music, the news, like certain things are known, like scientifically known to drag you down. Um, and sad music is one of those things. So, mm-hmm. um, I was like, oh, well, I listen to kind of a lot of sad music lately. Um, and I was like, okay, well, let's, let's change that up some. So I've been listening to some other things. Um, but NF is, he's, I don't want to say he's sad music. He's definitely not sad music. There's some that is like totally empowering. Well, but. his work, like his like mission is NF real music. Yeah, it's yeah. like, it's real life. I yeah, mean, yeah. so yeah, if you're like going through something, it's good to listen to, but absolutely you want to positive psychology wise, you want to listen to like happier stuff if you're trying to get out of that yeah. feeling. Yeah, for sure. Um, besides that, like, uh, people like Ollie is still like, yeah, I still yeah. like him a lot. Um, and then like a band that I just kind of more recently, I mean, I had heard of them, but I never actually listened to much. Um, it's called Sat Sang. And they like, um, they're kind of in the the realm of uh, like, I don't know, Trevor Hall and Nako and like kind of, I mean, hippie music in a way, I guess you'd say. Happy hippie music. <laughs> yeah, happy hippie music. Um, but there's a song called I Am um, that's like unbelievably like empowering and like just like one makes you want to like reflect on trauma but also like move past it and like realize that life's gonna go on it's gonna be better yes um and that's like a a really great song to me Mm -hmm. um also it kind of relates it's funny because it's an older song but it relates to like the craziness in the world too like just like i feel like with the elections and all those things that are going on in this world right now that covid yeah um and then they also have a song called remember jaw which is I mean, at its base, it's kind of a religious song, but um, also like has a lot of empowerment and stuff in there, too. So um, 
very good. And also there's like some chanting mantras, which I'm I'm realizing how much I love chanting music, music with like chants in it for some reason. Almost like, a, like you said, mantra. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's what it is. Like, it's yeah, like it's over crazy. and over. Yeah. Right. Um, so, yeah, that's been like my biggest listening lately. I've gotten back into Nako, despite the things that have been going around with him. But um, I'm trying to do this thing where I separate the artist from the art. Okay. Because yeah. I'm thinking about it like in a lot of different ways. I'm thinking about it from different perspectives. But um, we tend to put our, our those kind of people on a pedestal. Mm-hmm. And they're just human, just like everyone else. And that we can't, like, when they make mistakes or do something imperfect, we're, like, in shock and, like, it breaks our hearts in some ways. But if we realize from the beginning that they're just human, then, like, it's not the, it's not, it's not as hard, it's not as bad, right? Mm -hmm. But they still can make that amazing art that they have. Mm -hmm. And so that's really been a focus of mine for a little while now is just separating the art from the art, from the artist. And even like Nako and Trevor Hall would say that there are their music comes through them. It's not something they just make up. It's like comes through them from something bigger. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of interesting. But so that's been kind of the main things I've been listening. Trevor Hall came out with a new CD that I've been listening to. Um, also, um, but yeah, kind of. Uh, I mean, I'll say like the Sat Sung, Sat Zang. Like their music has been like the main thing. I've been on repeat quite a lot lately. Um, and I'll definitely send them to you, Stephanie, just yeah. so you can take a listen and see how you feel. But um, it's, uh, yeah, it's been pretty good. Um, and you're like on a big road trip right now, right? So Yeah, so we're listening to lots of music. Um, there's this gal, she's, I don't know if she's young anymore, but her name's Aurora, and she has like this incredible voice, and I have been kind of into her a lot lately. Um, <laughs> Halsey is really cool because she right. openly is like bipolar. I think she has bipolar one, and she talks about it and is like just open with it. I really like her stuff. It's not always, I mean super positive but like she's just openly like yeah this is who I am this is what I struggle with and puts it into music and I just freaking love her um when I want kind of happier vibes I go back to 80s rock always <laughs> journey foreigner <laughs> my mom's ACDC but that just makes me feel good and happy because those are the times that I remember being best in life is just listening to records in the garage with this like just 80s big hair bands and that's like my happy place we listened to Jimi hendrix on pretty much half of the road trip yesterday and it's just i don't know gives me good vibes makes me think of wayne's world (laughs) like i just i feel happy yeah i think uh for me like it's funny because i go back when i go back to my roots it's like rap music which is like totally it's totally hardcore rap but for some reason it just makes me feel really good and like memories remembering the good things yeah, the good things that happen in as a, uh, in my youth, but um, but definitely like Halsey is one like her voice to me is like it's very unique and like I can I can right away if I hear a song I know it's her and like oh, that's a great song right mm-hmm. whatever but yeah I, I tell Katie my wife uh, every well, I've told her before that like that like, I was like this person sounds like amazing and then she'll say like oh it she said who did she say it sounded like I forget. She kept trying to tell me that it sounds exactly like, um, I don't remember who it was, but it was really funny because I was like, no, it doesn't sound anything like that person, but uh, I guess everybody hears it differently. Mm -hmm. But yeah, um, besides that, 
Um, I don't think there's anything else I need to add. No, we missed y'all though. It was, yeah, we it was definitely nice missed to get back you. to this. Yeah, for sure. And um, we're going to try to keep it going um, going forward. Um, life is crazy, as always, but we um, we just need to make time. Um, and we can do that. Sorry. I know. We need to ask you guys kind of like what the next episode could be. But now I'm thinking about happy songs, thinking about the power of positive psychology and how that might be a good one to kind of talk about next. Yeah. Since we're all kind of in this dreary part, right? The seasonal yeah. affective for disorder sure. time of life. Maybe starting, we focus yeah. on some positive psychology moments and talking about that. Well, so and sorry to get back to that book that I was talking about that the whole book is actually about neutral thinking yeah. and how that can be really positive. Um, towards your, um, it actually talks about Russell Wilson and his, it's his mental coach. That's the right that wrote the book. And he talks about how when Russell Wilson, um, football player, CX quarterback, um, when he is on the field, he's always thinking neutrally because then he's not ever too high or too low, but oh, it's a, cool. it's kind of an interesting thought. Um, yeah, I think it makes sense because you're not overcorrecting. Right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and there's not, there's kind of a lot to it beyond that, but um, it's pretty interesting stuff. Um, so going forward, um, we will try to be more consistent as always. Um, and please like jump into the community and like, let us know what you want to hear about, um, topics you'd like to hear about. Um, or, you know, if you want to be a guest, let us know. Yeah. If you have any cool stuff to say, or, you know, want to add anything of your experience, anything, we're always interested in hearing about that. We love talking to people, getting to know kind of what they've been through and what's helped them. Yeah. And, um, I'm going to add the last thing I want to add is that you should get out and vote if you are able to, um, that it's, I'm not going to tell you who to vote for, but I'm going to tell you that it's vitally important that everybody votes. Yes, please vote. Yes, it is our right. Yeah. And some people don't even have that right, such as felons and a whole other subject. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, besides that, I think uh, this was us just signing off and saying thank you very much for listening. And um, we will talk to you later. Bye, everyone. But it didn't do me well People tell me to man up But I do not think I can I guess that's just who I am It's only in the darkness That this nightmare begins I feel the palpitations And start staring at my brains Wanna stand up, wanna sit down Wanna go out and stay in That's when I know that it begins but there's one thing that comes me A voice from the past That tells me to relax It'll all pass Take a deep breath Let the oxygen in Try and drop your shoulders Then take a breath again Just do this over again She's my mind cruiser She makes me feel tall
standing in a crowd I feel the pressure on my chest I stare down to the ground As I try to hide the best And when I see the people whisper I just want to disappear And pray to God that they forget I was here But there's one thing that comes me A voice from the past That tells me to relax Soon it'll pass Take a deep breath and let the oxygen in Try and drop your shoulders and take a breath again Do this over again She's my mind cruiser From the past that tells me to relax soon it'll pass take a deep breath let the oxygen in try and drop your shoulders then take a breath again do this over again she's my mind 